Welcome to Tableland Explorers on Faith FM, coming to you from the Northern Tablelands in New South Wales. I'm Luke, and on Tableland Explorers, we unpack the truths of the Bible and adapt them to our lives. Wherever you are in Australia, we want to thank you for joining us today. We have Ethan and Noah in the studio with us today. Guys, how are you going? Good. Yeah, pretty good. Now, last time you guys were in the studio, you guys were talking about um, going away over your Christmas New Year break. Um, so, yeah, let's hear the stories of what happened over that break. Right, I'll go first. Um, so, well, the most prominent one was Camporee. Yep. And honestly, one of the best experiences I've, I've ever had. Yeah, so was, what, what made it so good? So, for me, it was mm-hmm. being part of Team Force. So Team Force is basically like a team staff in a sense. Mm-hmm. We help the main staff with the activities, the events, the night program. So my job during the night program was ushering. So I was making sure people got to their seats. No one sat in the fire exits. And yep. um, on the Friday night, though, on the last night, I got to work the cameras. Oh, so nice. As part of backstage. Actually, I remember seeing you up there on the stage. I'm not on the stage, up on the platform with the camera. Oh, that was so much fun. This is the first year that you were sort of gone from being a Pathfinder to a staff member at Camp Hey, This is the first time you've been staff at Camp Oh, yeah, it was. So how did you like the difference? Well, it's going to sound really bad, but I think it was the fact that I had a bit of authority over the other Pathfinders, (laughs) even though a lot of them were probably older than me or the same age. It was like, it was fun in the sense where... I got to take part in the activity, but yep. I was sort of look out for all the younger Pathfinders, mm-hmm. like whether it was their first or their second or they're, they're new to Pathfinders. It was real good fun. Yeah, because it is different from being at Camp Rhea as a Pathfinder and participating in all the activities until then running them. Yeah, it is. There's a lot more instructions that are given to you so then everything runs smoothly. Yep. Oh, and on my activity, which was Magdala Town, or mm-hmm. Magdala Town, sorry, I pronounced that wrong, I got to do be part of the drama. Oh, nice. And um, for anyone who might have seen it, I was the guy with the dreads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, Camp Prix was, was a lot of fun. I was there as well. Now, Noah, you didn't come to Camp because you bailed on us and you went somewhere else. Yeah. Um, tell us about your experience and what you got up to. So I went down to music camp, which was mm-hmm. really good. We went down there and it's a two-week program. So we went down there and just did... Practiced um, singing and then did some concerts at some churches mm-hmm. and um, also did some YouTube videos of us singing in nature and, um, yeah, just really strengthened my spiritual walk. It was really good just, you know, learning more about God. And, like, every time you go, you just learn more, you get a deeper relationship. And then after that, I found out about a canvassing program that was happening um, called Youth Rush up in Adelaide, like, probably like three days before it, like we left to go there and it, yep. I got a lift and kind of just, so we went up there. So explain a little bit about what that is for our listeners. So it's a program, it was only two weeks this time, but mm-hmm. normally it's a bit longer than that. But it's basically where you go and you do canvassing, which is where you take books to doors and you sell them to people on a donation basis and they're always spiritual books to um, help people come to Christ. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's a really amazing experience. Like, if you're a Christian and you're looking to strengthen your walk with God, this is the best way to do it because service is, like, such a good way to getting to know God better and seeing how God works in other people's lives. 
So, yeah, that was really amazing. And then after that, I went down to AYC down in Melbourne, yep. which was really good. So went down there and met Doug Batchelor and a heap of other nice. Adventist um, pastors that are big in the community. And um, after that, went up and went to the prayer conference up in, um, where is it? Stewart's Point. Stewart's Point, that's yep. it. Yep, when did that and then came back home. So it was a pretty big trip. Wow, you had a really big um, holiday. Yeah. Um, and with all of that, like, what do you think was for both of you, the activities that you did, they were spiritual activities and part of like church activities. What was it about those activities that brought you closer to God? I know Noah, you sort of touched on a little bit, but, um, what exactly was it that really brought, um, your relationship with God stronger in all of that? I think it was like learning how, to give things to God and surrender all to God Mm -hmm. and so that you're doing it in his strength and not in your strength because I know I've failed a lot in trying to do stuff, you know, when you want to do the right thing and there's temptations when you're trying to do it in your own strength because you can't. And so learning more and understanding more about how we need to give it all to God was something that really helped me. Yeah. What about you, Ethan? What about Camp Re brought you closer to God? Uh, The night programs. Mm -hmm. So... The pastor that was Pastor Raul, you have to slur the R. Um, the way he explained, like, the distractions, mm-hmm. especially, because he himself, he was a, he's a mad fan of Marvel and all that. But he, the way he explained about how you still have to keep that in li- line with God so that yep. you don't get too far distracted with all these movies and video games and whatever else that you take pleasure in. Yep. That, like, it really dawned on me as, like, man, I've got to rethink what I do during the day. Yeah. Am I spending enough time with God? Am I spending less, like too much time on all these other things? Mm-hmm. So I think that really um, opened my eyes to see what I'm doing each and every day and um, organize myself a bit better when it comes to spending time with God. Yeah. That's awesome, guys. I'm glad that when you go on these um, activities and camps, like, yes, they are fun and we can do a whole lot of different things, but we can have fun learning about God and mm. Through all those activities, we can we can learn about God. Something that I learned um, a lot at Camp Re was the same a little bit with you, Noel, with trusting in God. Like we had five days to set up our activity, and you know we had weather problems. We had some of our gear was missing um, oh, because when we ordered all the activity gear, they all go into one pile, and all the other activities come and grab what they need, right? Oh. But they ordered, oh, no. so other people would grab some of our stuff. Um, and so, yeah, that was a bit of a nightmare trying to work out different things. Um, and there was a point during setup where I was actually talking to Trent, the person I was um, running the activity with, was like, I don't know if we're actually going to get this done in time. Like there was a point in time where I didn't think that we were going to get our activity set up. Mm. And like the last two days were like we're a long way behind. But those last two days, I don't know what happened, but everything just came together and we had it all set up, ready to go, and, yeah, that was a real blessing. Like you so. said with the weather too, especially, like mm-hmm. um, I didn't have, like, very good service, but I checked the Bureau of Meteorology um, radar every now and then, and we were supposed to have really bad storms, mm, but we everyone knuckled down and prayed, and amazingly, thank God, the storms just went around our little area. Yeah, mm. it did. It was amazing. Oh, sometimes when things like that happen, it's just, wow, just praise God how he mm. just shows up. Mm. and um, really looks after everything. 
Well, thanks, guys, for sharing. I'm glad that you had a real good uh, God experience while you are away and that you were growing in your relationship with God. And hopefully in today's study that um, you will do the same, and for our listeners. And today's topic is on hell. And some people might be thinking, oh, why, why would we study about hell and things like that? And it's interesting that this topic has been preached, in my opinion, wrong for so many years, and it has actually drawn so many people away from God. Mm. Well, it's interesting because ah, in a lot of modern TV shows and that, hell is depicted as a very bad place. It's like mm-hmm. it's depicted as somewhere where you do not want to spend your life there at all. Mm-hmm. And it's... Yeah, it's sad. And it's turning people away from God. I remember mm. when I was doing some door knocking and I um, knocked on this door and this person was like, hey... Um, why would you want to follow a God that's going to burn you forever if you don't want to um, follow him? And I said, well, I don't actually believe that's what the Bible teaches. Would you like me to share? And he was like, no, that's what it is. Um, and today we're going to show another side of hell, that what the Bible says about it, that most Christians probably won't even know. Mm. Um, and we'd encourage you to stick around. And it is important to understand what it actually is and what the Bible says about it. Now, if our listeners out there want to follow along with our Bible study, then you can. And, Ethan, how do our listeners follow along with our Bible study? Well, you can text SOP18 with no spaces to 04888880831 for the PDF of today's study guide. Today we're on study guide 18. Where on earth is hell? Also, we have an awesome free offer for you today, and it fits perfectly with our study. So stick around to get the code word. You're listening to Tableland Explorers on Faith FM. Here is Wendell Kimbra with I Am Making All Things New. When I saw the heavens open For the former things were past And I heard my Saviour singing I have come for you at last I will wipe away death's sorrow You will no more cry or grieve To the thirsty I give healing From the spring of life come drink For behold, I am making all things new this down, every word is true. Tell the world what I came to do. I am making all things new. 
Like a torch will light our way And the gates of that great city Never close to those who come Every nation brings its glory To our new creation Welcome back to Tableland Explorers. Today we are going through the Secrets of Prophecy Bible Study Guides. These study guides are taking us through some of the most amazing prophecies of the Bible. Some of them have already been fulfilled, some of them are being fulfilled right now, and some of them will be fulfilled in the near future. They will also cover some of the most important teachings of the Bible. If you are a keen student of the Bible or just interested in what the Bible says, then these studies are for you. If you are just joining us and would like to catch up on this study or previous studies, you can go to faithfm.com.au and go to the podcast section and look for Tableland Explorers. Or you can go to your app store and download the Faith FM Australia app. We are about to start our study, so if you would like to follow along, then text SOP18 with no spaces to 04888880831. Our study is Where on Earth is Hell? Alrighty guys, before we open our Bibles and our study guides, let's just have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that we have this opportunity to be able to have a study on what your word says about hell, Lord. And today um, we're going to be discussing this topic and I just pray that you speak through us and that we do it justice, Lord, and that People listening will be able to hear and understand what your word really says about hell. There's so many misconceptions about it out there, and we just pray that you open our hearts and minds to what your word is teaching us today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Many people see God as a hard, harsh, and vindictive judge. He is perceived as aloof and eager to hurl people into an everlasting hell of torment and agony. Do the, do the wrong thing and zap a thunderbolt of judgment on your way to hell. You know, these perceptions of God have developed through the centuries as Christian preachers frightened their congregations with vivid descriptions of the horrors of hell. If hell can appear scarier than a horror movie, avoiding a billion years of agonizing pain and torment becomes an attractive option. Attention-grabbing signs in front of churches reinforce the terrors of hell. One giant sign states, How will you spend eternity? Smoking or non-smoking? Another says, Turn or burn? Wow, that's pretty crazy. And you know, in his sermon, Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God, preacher Jonathan Edwards said this, The wrath of God burns against them. Their damnation don't slumber. The pit is prepared. The fire is made ready. The furnace is now hot. Ready to receive them. The flames do not rage and glow. The God that holds you over the pit of hell, much as one holds a spider or something loathsome insect over the fires, abhors you and is dreadfully provoked. 
He will crush you under his feet without mercy. He'll crush out your blood and make it fly, and it shall be sprinkled on his garments so as to stain all his raiment. Man, I don't think I would enjoy listening to this preacher. Wow, that's scary. It is. It's so not true. Yeah, you know, even the religious children's book, The Sight of Hell, offers this disturbing description. The fifth dungeon is the red-hot oven. The little child is in the red-hot oven. Hear how he screams to come out. See how it turns and twists itself about in the fire. It beats its head against the roof of the oven. It, it stamps its little feet on the floor. Wow, I wouldn't be reading that to my child. And to, it makes it worse that it's a children's yeah. book of yeah, all yeah. things. That's just scary. You know, the good old sermons and books like these are not as popular in the 21st century. Some religious leaders are worried where all the terrors of hell have gone. They fear this trend towards a quick fix or air-conditioned hell might lose church members. As a result, there is a call in some religious circles to get back to strong preaching on the subject. So after hearing these quotes, you probably have the question, so if God is a God of love, why is there a hell? Where on earth is hell? What is hell? When will it occur? And will sinners suffer and burn in hell forever and ever? Well, luckily, in this study, we will discover what the Bible says about the fires of hell. Mm. We will see how and why God removes sin and what these actions say about his character of love. All right, thank you, Noah. On to our first question. Does God enjoy the death of the wicked? Let's look into Ezekiel 33 verse 11 and it will give us a bit of an explanation. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Mm. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? Jesus came to this earth to save people, not destroy them. The destruction and eternal death of the wicked is an unusual act for God because he loves everyone. Yeah, you're right. And you know, God personally created people to be his forever friends. Like, he died so we could live. But unfortunately, there is no other solution to the cancer of sin than the destruction of those who have chosen it. As long as sin is present, it will result in human misery. Therefore, it must be eradicated. Mm, and you know, God must destroy sin someday because sin is destroying people mm. and there is nothing that is more precious to God than people. Yeah, you're right. And our second question says, what is God's heartfelt desire for humanity? Well, we find this answer in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. And the Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God has a vision and commitment for every person to be saved. He would love the whole world to enjoy an eternity of happiness with Him. However, He will not force us to choose eternal life. Mm, you know that God allows us to exercise our free will, either for Him or against Him. If we do not choose eternal life, then the inevitable wages of sin is death. Every person will either be saved or lost. And it's funny how all the old preachers go on about purgatory. Mm. There is no such thing as purgatory, limbo, or reincarnation in the Bible. 
There is only a heaven to look forward to and a hell to avoid. Mm. All right, so that brings us to question three, which is, who was hell designed for? We find the answer in Matthew 25, verse 41, and it says, Then he will also say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You know, hell was not designed for you. There is a comical myth depicting the devil as the manager of hell. He is responsible for poking the citizens of hell with a pitchfork while roasting the wicked. But the Bible says the devil and his angels will be thrown into the lake of fire and they will be turned into ashes. That's from Ezekiel 28 verse 18. But don't you think that's wonderful news? Mm. The devil will be destroyed and he will never tempt, harass, abuse, deceive or condemn anyone ever again. Mm. Yeah, and the devil would like you to join him in hell. And if you really want to end up there, you can. But you are going to have to fight against God to get there. Amen. If you would like to follow along with our Bible study today, you can text SOP18 with no spaces to 04888080831 for the PDF of today's study guide. Today we are on study guide 18. Where on earth is hell? Also, we have an awesome free offer for you today, and it fits perfectly with our study. So stick around to get the code word. You're listening to Tableland Explorers on Faith FM. Here is Bart Millard with Grace That Is Greater. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt Yonder on Calvary's mount I pour There where the blood of the Lamb was spilled Grace, grace, God's grace Grace that will pardon and cleanse within God's 
Welcome back to Table and Explorers. Today we are going through the Secrets of Prophecy Bible Study Guides. These study guides are taking us through some of the most amazing prophecies of the Bible. Some of them have already been fulfilled. Some of them are being fulfilled right now and some will be fulfilled in the near future. They will also cover some of the most important teachings of the Bible. If you are a keen student of the Bible or just interested in what the Bible says, then these studies are for you. If you are just joining us and would like to catch up on this study or previous studies, you can go to faithfm.com.au and go to the podcast section and look for Tableland Explorers. Or you can go to your app store and download the Faith FM Australia app. Let's get back to our study. We are on study number 18 and question 4. Alright, question 4 says, Is there anyone in hell today? Well, the answer is in Matthew 13 and verses 40 to 42. And it says, Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. You know, the traditional view of hell is the smoldering furnace somewhere under the ground where wicked people end up as soon as they die. The Bible, however, portrays a quite different view of hell. According to Jesus, the wicked are burned by fire at the end of the age. Mm. This means the end of the world. On another occasion, Jesus said that the wicked would be judged in the last day. The unrighteous are currently inside their graves awaiting the resurrection. Jesus said, For the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. That's in John 5.28-29. The voice of Jesus will call the wicked from the grave, not from hellfire. Yeah, you're right. You know, there is not one single soul or person in hell today. Amen. It is only fair that the wicked are not currently in hell. Imagine what kind of God would inflict punishment before the judgment. Or imagine what kind of God would inflict 6,000 years more punishment on someone like Cain, who killed one man, than he would on Adolf Hitler, who killed people by the millions. There is no justice in that. Alright, so question 5 asks us, What part of a person enters hellfire? Matthew 5 verse 30 answers this for us. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Hellfire is not just for a mystical soul that is absent from the physical body. Jesus said that the whole body is cast into hell. Yeah, and you know, those who have chosen to reject eternal life will enter hell alive with their arms, legs, hands, eyes, and feet, along with their minds, emotions, and personality. Yeah, so what you're saying is the whole person is cast into hell. Mm. You know, that leads us into question number six, 
which says, What will happen to the wicked when they go to hellfire? Well, we actually find this answer in Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. And the Bible says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. That will leave them neither root nor branch. Hellfire does not burn forever. The fires burn until the wicked are destroyed. Notice the word up. In the term from Malachi, the fire shall burn them up. The most well-known text in the Bible says that sinners perish. They do not have an eternal life in heaven or hell. That's in John 3.16. Yeah, and you know, when a tree is burnt in a bushfire, the branches are burnt, but the roots usually are not, and they can live and grow again. When the wicked are destroyed in hellfire, there is left neither root nor branch. They are totally consumed, and there is no possibility of living again. Mm. Death in hellfire, also called the lake of fire, is called the second death. That's from Revelation 21 verse 8. This is a death from which there is no resurrection. There is complete annihilation. The words used to describe the fate of the wicked in hellfire include... John 3 verse 16 says they'll perish. Romans 6.23 says that they will die, it's death. Mm, you know that Malachi 4.1 says they'll be burned up. Psalms 37 verse 20 says they'll just vanish away. Psalms 37.9 says they were cut off. Yeah, you know, Psalms 145 verse 20 says they'll be destroyed. This is an interesting one. Revelation 20 verse 9 says they'll be devoured. Mm. Psalms 21.9 says, Fire shall devour them. And you know, Job 21 verse 30 says, The day of doom. The wicked are destroyed. They perish and will not go on living forever in hellfire. If you would like to follow along with our Bible study today, you can text SOP18 with no spaces to 04888880831 for the PDF of today's study guide. Today we are on study guide 18 called Where on Earth is Hell? Also, we have an awesome free offer for you today and it fits perfectly with our study. So stick around and get the code word. You're listening to Tableland Explorers on Faith FM and here is Josh Cunningham with The Old Rugged Cross. On an old rugged cross on a hill long ago Hung one without guilt Without blame And for salvation of souls For the sins of the world That's why my Savior was slain Won't you look to the old rugged cross See Jesus and confess His name And say, Father, forgive me I know that I'm lost be found at that old rugged cross. 
ragged cross He was laid in the tomb But death over him had no claim For Jesus was raised So that all might be saved Believe and break Free from sin's chains Won't you look to The old rugged cross And see Jesus Confess His name And say Father Forgive me, I know that I'm lost You'll be found at that old rugged cross Table and Explorers, we have been going through the Secrets of Prophecy Bible Study Guides, and today we are studying about hell. We have seen from the Bible that God has no pleasure in destroying the wicked, and that he does not want any human being to be lost, but for all to turn to him. The Bible also shows us that the fires of hell were designed for the devil, 
and his angels to be destroyed and never tempt anyone again. But if humanity sides with the devil, then they will join him there and they will all be burnt up and destroyed. We also discovered that the Bible says that no one is in hell today, including the devil and his angels. If you are just joining us and would like to catch up on this study or previous studies, you can go to faithfm.com.au and go to the podcast section and look for Table and Explorers. Or you can go to your app store and download the Faith FM Australia app. Let's get back to our study. We are on study number 18 and at question 7. Question 7 says, where does hellfire take place? Well, we actually find this answer in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 9. And the Bible says, They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. According to this text, hellfire takes place on the earth. It is not a smoky place of torture far underground. Just as God destroyed the world by a global flood at the time of Noah, at the end of time, the world will be destroyed by fire. Yeah, and you know, Second Peter 3.10 says that the earth and the works that are in it will be burnt up. And you know, the book of Revelation describes this amazing scene. As the holy city comes down from heaven, the wicked surround the city and attempt to capture it. But at this time, God sends hellfire down from heaven, and completely devours the wicked. And that brings us to question eight, which is, how long will the fires of hell burn, and why is the issue so important? Isaiah 47 verse 14 says, Behold, they shall be as stubble. The fire shall burn them. They shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flames. It shall not be a coal to be warmed by, nor a fire to sit before. Nothing will be left of hellfire once it has completed the task of destroying sin. There will be no coal to be warmed by or fire to sit before. The fires of hell go out. The teaching of an eternal hell does not solve the sin problem. It perpetuates sin. It makes sin eternal. Perhaps even worse, it blackens the character of God. That's quite sad. The concept of an eternal hell of pain and torment has resulted in more atheists than any other concept. Mm. If this teaching were true, the torture of the Nazis, Pol Pot, Osama bin Laden, Saddam Hussein, and any other evil tyrant throughout history would be nothing compared with the sadistic nature of God. At least the others eventually allowed people to die. Mm, you're right. You know, and to illustrate this, if your pet dog was vicious and killed an innocent baby, you would be ordered by the government to put down the dog. No one would want the dog to be given the opportunity to spread its misery again. But there would not be one sane person who would suggest the dog to be tortured to death, or even worse, tortured for eternity. It is a tragedy that some people have a worse view of the justice and character of God than they do of even the worst human beings. Mm, it's really sad. It is. Hell is the place and experience of ultimate destruction by fire. The second death. Hellfire takes place on this earth and will destroy the devil and anyone who has chosen a life of sin and rejected the love and grace of Jesus. The major purpose of hellfire is to destroy every last part of sin 
so the universe is safe for eternity. This brings us into question 9, which asks, how and when did the teaching of eternal hell enter the Christian church? The concept of an eternal hell is closely linked to the concept of the eternal soul. The devil began teaching this when he said in Eden that sinners are immortal. When he said in Genesis 3 verse 4, you will not surely die. From that origin, this teaching spread throughout the pagan cultures including the Egyptians, Persians and Greeks. Greek mythology even entered the Jewish faith and there was division amongst the Jews at the time of Jesus. Although Jesus at times used popular concepts to illustrate a point, for example the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16, he made it clear that death was asleep when talking about Lazarus in John chapter 11, 11 to 14. The pagans taught that good and evil were both eternal and so could never be destroyed. A place for tormenting the evil was devised since the gods were powerless to destroy it. The concept of eternal place of torment entered the Christian church in the late 2nd century through the church leaders Athenagoras in 188 AD and Tertullian who died in 240 AD. Like many other doctrines, the concepts from paganism entered the church teaching and over time became accepted as doctrines. Jerome and Augustine continued the emphasis on eternal torment. This teaching became one of the greatest tools for fear and compliance to the church throughout the Middle Ages. And you know, the misunderstanding of hell has also made its way into the translations of the Bible. On many occasions, the Hebrew or Greek words for grave, shol and Hades were translated as hell. The Greek word Gohanna, translated as hell, is the word used by Jesus to describe the fires of destruction at the end of time. The Greek word Tartus, also translated as hell, is used once in the entire Bible and means place of darkness. There is no word in the Old or New Testament which could be translated as an eternal place of torment. We have an awesome free offer for you today, and if it's perfectly with our study, so save this number in your phone, 04-888-80831. That's 04-888-80831. And wait for the code word that is coming up soon. You're listening to Tableland Explorers on Faith FM. Here is Sarah Kruger with Belovedness. You own your fear and all your self-loathing You own the voices inside of your head You own the shame and reproach of your failure It's time to own your belovedness You own your past and how it's defined Owned everything everybody else says It's time to hear what your father has spoken It's time to own your belovedness He says you're mine I smiled when I made you I find you beautiful in every way My love for you is fierce and unending I'll come to find you Whatever it takes 
so blinded by all your comparing. It's time to hone your belovedness. He says you're mine. I smiled when I made you. I find you beautiful in every way. My love for you is fierce and unending. I'll come to find you. Welcome back to Table and Explorers. We've been going through the Secrets of Prophecy Bible Study Guides, and today we are studying about hell. We have discovered that hell is an event that will happen at the end of time on this earth, and it will continue to burn till every last bit of sin is burnt up and destroyed. We have also seen that if humans do not give their sins over to Jesus, then they will be destroyed in the fires of hell. But if humanity turns to Jesus, then they will be saved from the fires of hell. If you are just joining us and would like to catch up on this study or previous studies, you can go to faithfm.com.au and go to the podcast section and look for Table and Explorers. Or you can go to your app store and download the Faith FM Australia app. Let's get back to our study. We are on study number 18 and at question 10. Question 10 says, what does the Bible mean when it talks about eternal and everlasting punishment? The complete annihilation of the wicked is mentioned over 180 times in the Bible. In each case, the wicked are destroyed and hell will burn out. There are a few passages that have led to confusion due to the graphic nature of the word imagery. It is important to see what the whole Bible says on any subject and the weight of evidence on the subject of hellfire is overwhelming in favour of complete destruction of the wicked. The Bible does not contradict itself. Let's take a closer look at the more challenging texts as we compare scripture with scripture to discover Bible truth. 
the first one is Matthew 25 verse 41, and that talks about the everlasting and eternal fire. Now let's compare it with what Jude verse 7 says. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the seas around them in a similar manner to these have given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Jesus referred to the everlasting fire of hell. This fire is everlasting in the consequences, not in the duration. For instance, Sodom and Gomorrah were wicked cities that God said would be burnt with eternal fire. Where are Sodom and Gomorrah today? They were burnt by God and turned into ashes. According to the Bible, an everlasting fire burns the object into ashes and then goes out. Our second one is found in Revelation 20 verse 10 where it talks about tormented forever and ever. But let's have a look at what Isaiah 34, 9 and 10 says. The Bible says, Its streams shall be turned into pitch, and its dust into brimstone. Its land shall become burning pitch. It shall not be quenched day or night. Its smoke shall ascend forever. From generation to generation it shall lie waste. No one shall pass through it forever and ever. When describing the destruction of wicked Edom, the prophet Isaiah said the smoke would ascend forever. Once again, God's prophet used graphic language to describe complete destruction from judgment. Edom is not burning today. It was destroyed. Over 50 times the word forever is used in the Bible to refer to something that would naturally end. For instance, forever means until death in Psalms 48.14 or as long as someone lives in 1 Samuel 1, 22 and 28. The smoke or punishment of the wicked will last until the person has been destroyed by hellfire. Alright, our third passage is Matthew twenty five forty six, and it mentions everlasting punishment. Let's compare that to Romans six twenty three, which says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, the wages of sin is not everlasting life in hell. It is an everlasting death. This is the second death. That's in Revelation 21.8. From which there is no resurrection. The Apostle Paul said, These shall be punished with everlasting destruction. That's in Second Thessalonians 1 verse 9. The Bible is clear. The wicked will receive everlasting punishment, but not everlasting punishing. Alright, so our fourth verse... Um, Luke 3 verse 17 talks about unquenchable fire. Let's compare it to what Jeremiah 17 verse 27 says. But if you will not heed me to hallow the Sabbath day, such as not carrying a burden when entering the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then I will kindle a fire in its gates, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem, and it shall not be quenched. This prophecy from Jeremiah was fulfilled when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians with fire. That's found in Second Chronicles 36, verse 19 to 21. The city was ruined by unquenchable fire, but Jerusalem is not still burning today. Unquenchable fire is a fire that no man or fire brigade can extinguish. Once the fire has accomplished its task, it will naturally go out. Alright, that brings us to question 11, which says, Although there is no such thing as eternal torment, is destruction by hellfire something to take lightly? Our answer is found in 2 Thessalonians 1 and verses 6 to 9. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, 
and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. You know, to be destroyed by hellfire will be one of the most horrendous experiences known to man. Jesus said there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's in Matthew 22 verse 13. The reason why this will be so traumatic is because for the first time there will be complete separation from the presence of the Lord. People will realize the enormity of the consequences of their life of sin. All hope will be gone. They will realize the foolishness of clinging to sin, which now costs them everything. Their mental anguish is beyond description, and the greater the guilt, the greater the agony. The wicked in total darkness and despair will fall to their knees and acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. But it will be too late. Yeah, you're right. So now is the time to accept the free gift of life that Jesus is offering you. Jesus wants to be your friend and protect you against hellfire. He loves you and he wants to have a daily close friendship with you throughout eternity. That sounds nice. It does, doesn't it? Question 12 asks us, What will God do once hell and sin are eradicated? Revelation 21 verse 1 tells us, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Bible prophecy predicts a complete new world to look forward to. There will be a new earth. There will be a new atmosphere with a new ozone layer, if that is still required. And most importantly, a new life without any traces or reminders of sin. Mm. Well, that's going to be an amazing day, isn't it? Amen. Amen. You can just imagine, like, we actually get to see Jesus recreate the world. Yeah. Like, oh, man. humanity wasn't there for the first time, yeah. but we're all going to be there for the second time. Mm, we're going to get to experience so cool. it. I think just to hear God speak and things just appear mm. is just going to be absolutely amazing. Yeah. It'll be cool, too, because in the sense... Science tries to explain all this stuff, mm. but we're just like watching the Creator at work. Yeah, it's going to be an absolutely amazing time. Mm-hmm. We have an awesome free offer for you today, and it fits perfectly with our study. So save this number in your phone, 3831 That's 3831 and wait for the code word that is coming up soon. You're listening to Tableland Explorers on Faith FM, and here is Jaden Lavick with... I surrender all.
Welcome back to Tableland Explorers. We have been going through the Secrets of Prophecy Bible Study Guides, and today we have been studying about hell. We have learned today that hell is real and that nobody is in hell today. The Bible teaches that hell is an event that will be on the earth at the end of time that will burn up and destroy the devil, his angels, and any humans that reject the love and grace of Jesus. We saw from the Bible that the fires of hell will stop burning when the sin is burnt up. We also saw that God takes no pleasure in destroying the devil and his angels and humans with the fires of hell. It is his unusual act, but one that needs to take place to destroy sin, suffering and death for eternity. If you are just joining us and would like to catch up on this study or previous studies, you can go to faithfm.com.au and go to the podcast section and look for Table and Explorers. Or you can go to your app store and download the Faith FM Australia app. Let's get back to our study. Alrighty, so we're at our three points to remember section of our Bible study. And our first point is, God does not want anyone to be lost, but He gives us all a free choice. Point number two, there are only two options for the afterlife, heaven or hell. And point number three, hellfire will completely destroy the wicked at the end of the world. So what do you guys think? Do you reckon those three points really sum up our study today? And what do you guys think about them? Yeah, I think um, they're very good points. I especially like the first one because it's really important. You know, God gives us all free choice. Mm. And without free choice, we'd be like robots because God Mm. can't force someone, you know, no one can force anyone else to love them. And if they do force them to love them, then they're like a robot. Mm-hmm. And to do that, you're not getting true love. And God is love. Like That's what he wants from us is a relationship with us. And you can't have a relationship if you're forcing someone to do that. So yeah. I think free choice is a big thing. Mm. The second one, really, it really outlines how God, either you're with God or you're against God. Mm. There's yeah. no middle ground. He's very like straightforward with that. Yeah, and you know, we clarified... When we talk about heaven and hell, we're really talking about life and death, aren't we? Because mm-hmm. it's either eternal life in heaven or it's eternal death. You just cease to exist. Um, they're your two choices. And I think you know, that shows the love of God. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talked about those different statements at the beginning of the study, where I was trying to make people fear 
about, oh, I don't want to burn forever or anything like that. The Bible doesn't talk about that. Yeah. And for God to give you an option of going, well, you either have everlasting life with me in peace or everlasting torment, like we're only going to be following Jesus out of fear. Mm-hmm. When you have an option now of going, I can live my life the way I want it and then die and that's it and there's nothing after that, or I live according to the Bible and with a biblical worldview and spend eternity with Jesus in, mm. a, in a place where it's perfect without sin. And that still gives an option of love, Yeah, right? That means that you can actually have a free choice of not having to do anything out of fear. Mm. Um, the last point there, it really just sums up the entire lesson itself. Mm. Hellfire will completely destroy the wicked at the end of the world. It says, completely destroy the wicked. Mm. It's not... Everyone or just some some people are wicked. The yeah. wicked in general. Yeah. Yeah, and that's sin. Satan, his angels, wicked humanity, mm. anybody that's holding on to sin because when sin is destroyed, it's not gonna come back again. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. And like the forever it was saying, um it the fire won't burn forever, no. but sin will forever be gone. Yeah, mm. it will be. And imagine a world with like no sin. Like that's we, we can't imagine that because the amount of sin we've got in like, you know, this world today, like, every day we're seeing sin, we're committing sin. Mm. Sin is just a part of our lives. Like, we can't imagine it's a, a life without sin. Yeah. yeah. It's like a cancer that needs to be taken out mm. yeah. and needs to be dealt with. Yeah. And I think the study that we did with hell today really shows how God is going to deal with sin and eradicate it. Mm. The, the theory of hell being everlasting and, and burning forever doesn't eradicate sin. Mm. It doesn't deal with the sin problem. Right, and this study really does. It shows that God wants this cancer out of the universe, and it will never come back again. Mm. All right. So the story goes on. As a young boy, Martin Luther attended the St George's Church in Mansfield, Germany. Each week, he looked up at a stained glass window in his church. The artwork depicted an angry sword-wielding God. Martin's imagination ran wild as he contemplated this angry God, ready and waiting to send his frightened little heart into an everlasting hell. A young Luther also noticed an altarpiece depicting a ship on a rough sea. This boat was heading towards heaven, and on this boat sat the Pope and his bishops. The monks were doing the rowing. The trouble was, there sat no common people on the boat, people like Martin and his family. Mm. Martin looked anxiously at the common people who were outside of the boat, all trying to save themselves by swimming alongside the boat. They were desperate for help to get into the safety of the ship. Some were drowning, but the popes and bishops were all saved. Martin Luther's conclusion? God is harsh, and it is impossible for people like him to be saved. It took Martin many years to realize that the God he believed in was not the true God of the Bible. His whole life changed when he found out that God was not a God to be afraid of, but a God to be a friend of. God was not a God to run from, but a God to run to. What is your picture of God? Mm. Well, that's, that's amazing how some people have those different pictures of God. Mm. And that's why we do a lot of these different studies, because each study paints a picture of God in a different way mm-hmm. um, and getting a clearer picture of God. And it's... Yeah, I definitely don't believe in a God that is like that in the story, or well, the first part of the story. But the second part, you know, he is definitely a God that you can you can run to. Mm. You know, I have this 
picture of God who is loving and caring. And just like my parents when I was a child, if I was if I got in trouble and I did something wrong, I would be disciplined. Mm. They didn't discipline discipline me because they wanted to hurt me and they just wanted to smack me, but they yeah. were trying to grow me because they loved me mm. and disciplined me. And God does the same. There's yeah. things in the Bible that he's going to say, well, you know what, this is right and this is wrong. He put, He gives us boundaries. Mm. You know, parents that don't put boundaries around their kids, their kids go wild. Mm. Right? Oh, yeah. And God, so God gives us boundaries, not yeah. to fence us in, but to protect us. Mm. And that's what a loving parent would do. And he is that loving parent that wants the best for me and that, you know what, sometimes I make mistakes. Mm. He's like, Luke, you need to sort this out, right? And you do, and... He gives you those boundaries to stay with so you know that you're safe with him. With him. Mm. And those boundaries are in the mm. Bible. We yeah. don't have to look, to look anywhere else. Yeah, if we just sure. read the Bible slowly, carefully, and just study each bit, mm. we don't need to look anywhere else. Mm. And that's yeah. the thing. Like, you know, we can look at these rules and be like, oh, they're terrible rules and they're keeping us out of fun and whatever. But all you have to do is look around you at the people that aren't following these rules and that are being, you know, what the world would call free and their lives aren't happy. They might have a little time where they're happy and then they're depressed the rest of the time and they're over, they've got like a hangover and they're having all these problems. When when you've got Jesus, you've got perfect peace no matter what mm. situation. Mm. You know, like God isn't a God that, you know, wants to hurt you or mm. wants to make you love him. He's someone that loves you and like he sent his son to die for you. Like the Bible said that he poured out all of heaven for us. Like... That kind of love, unconditional love, no matter what we do, he will always love us. Mm. You can't find that anywhere else. Like The Bible says that God is love, and when we follow these rules, they are God's character. They're describing God's character, and when you love God, then you don't want to steal, you don't want to lie, you don't want to do these things. Mm. And so all these different rules that people have and that you you can be really legalistic, if we just love God and just start with loving God, We'll want to do these things and we'll naturally be doing these things because of we love God and because of what God tells us instead of doing them to love God. Mm, it's like a relationship. I've got an interesting way of looking at God. I see him as a commander. Mm-hmm. Now, some people will picture, well, what, does he just yell at you and tell you to do this, this, and this? No, I picture him as a sort of commander that loves his troops and he's, he's happy to nurture them, lead them in the right direction. But that's all on us. Mm. I mean, we can just we can listen to God all we want, but then we can make our own decision. Mm. See, He gives us that free choice. So I see Him as a sort of God where He's showing us, like it's literally in front of us, mm. but we can make that choice whether we want to follow God and be with Him forever, mm. or we can just go our own path. Yeah. And when you you don't follow someone you don't trust mm. and mm. love, right? So if you're out there and you're like, well, I don't really know who God is, I'm not going to follow Him. That's fine. That's fair enough. But get to know him. Mm. Get to know who Jesus is. Yeah. Like, it's not about just knowing what he's done or what he's going to do. We actually got to know who Jesus is. Mm. Yeah. And that gives us that relationship with him and wanting to follow him. And all these studies that we do, they teach us about this. There's people out there that don't want to follow God because they think the world has told them that if they don't follow God, they'll have to burn forever. Mm. And that is not true. That's not what we saw from the Bible today. Mm. We saw that it is an annihilation. It's just going to be, that's it, you will die, nothing else. And so you still have a choice now on who you're going to follow. 
Yeah. You're seeing this God going, hey, I love everybody so much, but this cancer of sin needs to go. Mm. And this is how God deals with it. And he doesn't want to destroy humanity. We've learned in our study that it was created for the devil and his angels. It wasn't created for humanity. Mm-hmm. But humanity are making their own choice to be there. Yeah. And God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to be there. But if we want to be there, he's going to just honor our choices. Mm-hmm. You know, I see this, some people have this picture of God of going, okay, you're saved, you're going to hell, and just sort of separating people. Yeah, nitpicking. Mm. God doesn't send anybody to hell. No. We, we choose to go there. Mm. He just honors our choices. Yeah. Like the saying, every action has their consequences. And yeah. considering how much he loves us, it is such a sacrifice for him to let us to go down that path and let us have our own free will and do that because the amount of pain he's got in him to guide us and to, you know, almost force us in a way because of how much he loves us to be able to just say, all right, I love you so much that I'm not going to force you to do this. If you want to go down that path, I'm going to let you. And that's the best part about God is that he's mm. our friend. And the best part about him, I kind of almost look at him as like, he's a friend that will never leave you and that's always got the right answer. Mm. So, I mean, you can't really have a better friend than that. Yeah, so with, with this conversation, let's keep it going with this question. Do you think someone will go to heaven if their motivation is escaping hell instead of loving Jesus, and why? I don't think so, because in the, mm. in the end, he's doing it for himself. Yeah, He's not doing it because he loves God, Jesus and he loves God and he likes to, he likes to be with them. He's just doing it for himself. Mm. Yeah. And that's the thing is that, when they're doing it out of a motivation to escape hell, they're also doing stuff to do that instead of out of love for other people as well. You know, like when Jesus said, I think it's in Matthew where he talks about how, you know, he said, oh, we did all these things for you. And he says, depart from me, um, me. you work iniquity because mm. of the stuff that we've done. And if we're doing it out of fear, then we're not doing it out of love and it takes away the whole point of why we're doing things. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree. If we're not loving Jesus, that's the whole point. That's the whole reason that we are going to heaven because we want to be with Jesus. Mm. right? And so, yeah, if you're just doing it to escape hell or doing it because you have to, no, I don't think that you're in a saving relationship with mm. Jesus. You need no. to love, love Jesus. And if you're not doing it out of a love for Jesus and you don't know Jesus and you don't love him, then heaven won't be heaven for you anyway. When you get into a relationship, think about this. Why do you go into that relationship? Do you go in because, oh, I look cool? Or is it because, no, I actually love this person? Mm. You go in because you love that person. Exactly. For sure. Now, why, why do you think Christians incorporate the teaching of eternal hellfire into the church? Oh, I think it would be misinterpretation of the Bible. Mm. Like, I think some mm. preachers probably read, that ver- read, read the parts where they talked about hell. And we're like, man, I'll just teach this. So then it will keep people coming back mm. to my church so then they'll understand. They have to keep coming here to learn more about God. So then they won't go and burn. And if I tell them that if they keep coming here, they won't burn, they'll, oh, they'll just keep coming back. Mm. Yeah, so that's a, it's just a fear tactic, isn't it? Mm. We read back at the beginning, remember we read some of those quotes? But I think a lot of it came in as a fear tactic yeah. to try and fear people into following Jesus. Mm, and like you know, like Ethan was saying, I'm sure some people had good motives, but I'm sure there was a lot of other people that just wanted that power trip, that just wanted to 
have power over people and force them into religion through scaring them. And that's not the character of Jesus. And I think, no, you know, um, the Bible says you will know them by their fruits. And if you know someone that, or a pastor that's doing it and getting people to do stuff out of fear, then that's not God's way because God does it out of love. And getting mm. people to do stuff out of fear and coercing, coercing them into stuff is actually Satan's methods. And mm. so, I it mean, is. it's really what you've got to do is just look at it and think, well, are they doing what Jesus would do? Mm. Yeah, for sure. And our last sort of um, conversation topic that we're going to have, um, can you guys explain how God could be full of justice and mercy and how does the destruction of the wicked demonstrate this? Oh, for justice, I think it's because he paid the ultimate price for sin. Mm. He paid for the punishment of sin, so then sin wouldn't come back again and again. Mm. For mercy, the fact he didn't make us die for it. Yeah. If God wanted to, he could have just said, all right, boom, wipe out all the humans. Yeah. And then there would be no sin. Yeah, that's true. And we see that at the cross, don't we? Mm. Because we read it earlier, what is the wages of sin? Death. death. Is death, right? And the Bible says that Jesus became sin for us. On the cross, we're seeing mercy and justice kiss, so to speak, because the punishment of sin is being paid for by Jesus. And the mercy was shown that we were supposed to be on that cross. We were supposed to die, but he took our place. Mm. Mm. Um, and that's where, we, that's where I see the mercy and justice of Jesus. You know, that's why God himself had to come down and do this. You know, an angel can't do this. That's not justice. God had to come down and die for our sins. And, you know, he was like the amount of pain and agony that he went through for us Mm. is just, you know, it's unbelievable. And that shows how much he loves us. And that really is – and then he's given us so much mercy after he did that so many people, the wicked have given, been given chance after chance after chance after chance to repent. Mm-hmm. And they've been convicted, they've been shown everywhere, but they are still rejecting God. And when you reject God and reject God and reject God, God doesn't really have another choice mm-hmm. because the wages of sin is death and justice has to be made or sin will be in our world forever and no one will have justice. And in the end, it's not God's fault. It's your own. No, it is, mm, yeah. That's right. Definitely. And like you said about the pain he went through, it wouldn't have just been the physical pain. It would have been the weight of sin as well. Mm, yeah. It was all put on Jesus' shoulders. Mm. Yeah, and we definitely see that through the destruction of the wicked. And really, those that are destroyed are the ones that aren't accepting Jesus on the cross. Mm. Mm. So there is a way out. There is a way that um, that's the mercy, that God has provided a way out yeah, But he says, this event is still going to happen, but if you go down this path, that's the event you're going to go to. God is just going to honor your choices. Mm. You know, at the end of every study, we have a response question. And this is a question for us here in the studio and for those of you that are listening. And the question is, are you glad that God destroys sin but not punishes people throughout eternity? Mm, definitely. I definitely yeah. think so too, yeah, like, the idea that God would punish someone forever for not following him just doesn't sit well with me. That's just not the God I believe in. Yeah. Um, and to know that, yes, sin is going to be punished. It's going to ha- we're going to get justice for the sin in this world but knowing that it will be over and done with quickly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a good thing. Well, thank you guys for 
um, coming into the studio and having a study. I hope that you guys are blessed and I hope that our listeners have been blessed and that you have saw a different picture of God, a God of love that's not going to burn people in hell forever if they don't choose to follow him. You may be sitting there, you may have thought that's what the Bible talked about hell today and you have seen what the Bible actually says about it and know that even through this study we can still see a God of love. Mm. Mm. Yeah, definitely. It's been a really big blessing. And, like, the one thing that I find is when you do these studies, you know, you know, in a way I feel like we're sort of teachers, you know, talking to everyone mm. that's listening to the radio, but at the same time I'm learning stuff as well. Yep. Like I'm learning and getting a stronger connection with God with everyone that's listening as well. So I mm. think it's, it's, a, it's a group thing. It I 100% definitely. agree with you, Noah. I've learned, so. I've learned a lot from doing these studies. Mm. Yeah. So right. thank you, Pastor Luke. Yeah. No worries. Thank you guys for um, joining, and thank you to our listeners for joining. And now as we uh, close, Noah, would you like to pray for us? Yeah, sure. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your amazing love, and thank you for what you did for us. And just please help us to understand that you're not a God that would let us burn forever, Lord, but you're a God of love, and the only reason that hell is something that's going to happen is because justice needs to be made. You know, we need justice so that sin is eradicated from this world and so that we can have a perfect eternal life with you, Lord. And we just thank you that you died on the cross for us, Lord. Amen. 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 It has come time in the show to give you the code word for today's free offer. Today, we have a book titled The Surprising Truths About Hell. This book will explore the Bible and share in more detail about the truth of hell. If you want more information about this topic or want to really understand what the Bible teaches, then this book is for you. If you would like this book, then you need the code hashtag TE30. Text that code to 04888808831. And our Faith FM bot will take down your details and we'll get you this book as soon as we can. We only have 20 to give away, so text in now. The code again is hashtag TE30 with no spaces. Text that to 04 to get your free copy of the book, The Surprising Truth About Hell. Our next study is called 1000 Years of Peace. Revelation 20 talks about 1000 Years of Peace. Some people think that it's symbolic and not worth investigating. Some think we are in it now, and others believe it is to come. Join us next week as we explore the Bible to see when this time period starts, what will happen before, during, and after this 1,000 years. Thanks for tuning in today to Tableland Explorers on Faith FM. If you're not sure about any of the things we've talked about on the show today, we want to encourage you to pray, ask God for clarity, and study the Bible for yourself. As David says in Psalm 119, God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God bless and we'll catch you next time.